0: Aftershock with Jamin Moore, Alex Morgan, and Robert Jonas, and Phil Leva, and we are joining you live after a 1-0 victory for the San Jose Earthquakes over the Vancouver Whitecaps, and who else scored but Christian Espinoza and the Quakes escaped with three points. Um, Jamin, you are currently at the stadium now, and we're going to kick it over to you first so you can give us your initial thoughts after the match.
1: Yeah, it's uh it was a uh not the prettiest of games. That's for sure. I mean, you know, some people even joked to the Quakes even practice, you know, over the last you know, few uh, few games since they played Tigris or last few days since they played Tigris. You know, at times it was it was pretty rough and I did not like the way they came out defensively. I didn't like the way that they came out and set up because it gave a too much liberty to the Vancouver three, five, two. And, you know, with a very potent two up top, I felt there was too much Liberty to be able to penetrate and be able to either get the ball wide to the wingbacks or even find one of the strikers in behind. Um, and I tweeted about it and said, look, they need to move something more like a four, four, two, which for the most part they did. Um, they just did it at certain opportune times based upon, you know, where the ball was at on the pitch. And then ultimately, Lucci went, you know, with the old uh, three in the back. And, uh, you know, as has happened after it didn't work early in the season, and as I keep telling Alex Morgan, it will work more often than not. And tonight, it worked long enough. And that's all you can say about it. It worked long enough. But look, credit to Daniel, who absolutely put in that performance that we haven't. We got used to seeing and then kind of went away a little bit. And now, like, you know, Daniel's back, uh, you know, the three points, a lot of it credit to the way that the performance that he put in tonight, he really, really pissed off the Vancouver fans. They were chanting F-words at him for the end of the game from the supporters section. It was fantastic. Oh, by they the way, Lucio's already like showing which, up which here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Alex, the, the tried and true four-four-two coming through for Lucci here. Do you agree with Jamin? Do you think that this was the formation that was the saving grace for them in the match?
2: Look, Lucci made good in-game adjustments at halftime. The Quakes were getting pummeled. They weathered that second half very, very well. But I believe we're going to be going right now to Lucci Gonzalez. For so joining tonight's to post-game
1: you. press conference following our
2: 1-0 victory over Vancouver Whitecaps FC, we'll start with the first question from Alex Morgan. Hey, the chief. Thanks for joining us tonight. Good to speak to you. Uh,
0: Congratulations on the uh... Hey, looks like we lost the press conference, Robert. Uh, Just the two of us here for a moment. So, Robert, I can't tell if your audio is on or
3: not. Can you hear me? uh.
0: So it looks like we have lost the press conference for just a moment, but we'll get things fixed here. I'm going to
3: check in with Alex and Jamin. And so if y'all can just hang tight, we'll be right back with you.
1: Apologize. I think we uh, lost the stream there. Or at least I did. Have we lost Phil here? Are we, are we down a man? Well, I, I also we'll lost, I also lost the stream, I think so. Okay. All right. Well, so we had I'm a chance
4: to ask to... a couple questions there at the end and it sounds like, uh, they're, they're happy with the smash and grab aspect of tonight's victory and, uh, they'll, they'll take three oh, points God. any way they can get it. So that was uh, kind of a message I got. <laughs>
2: Is Phil back from the ether now? Phil, you made I, it back?
0: Yeah, I uh, I went to go get a drink of water. Uh, I did text you guys to see what was going on. And I picked up my cat and she shed all over me, so I have cat hair. <laughs> my mouth. Everything. It's pretty bad.
2: Is this what goes on behind the is that what everybody else is doing while me and Jamin are in the press conferences? Is that what oh, always happens? Oh
0: man.
1: I don't know. All right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna step out to try to get to, to catch a player before they leave on the bus. So I'm going to let you three kind of analyze in the press conference. I think they didn't get to hear it. So, you know, kind of replay for Mm -hmm. them, you know, Lucy's comments and apologies to everyone because I could not hear a thing in the press conference. And I, and I had to make an adjustment on my side to be able to ask questions. So apologies. Uh, But I'm going to, I'm going to leave you three here and uh, let you keep going. So Alex, you got the con. Me and me and me and Robert can hopefully help cover some of what was going on
2: in that press conference. Uh, if, if they weren't able to hear any of it, Phil, were you not able to hear any of
0: it? Are we going no, to have to do hear a live reading? We were just sitting here, and then Robert couldn't hear me. So I was trying to talk to Robert for a second, and then I waited, tried texting since we didn't get anything in return, I just kind of...
1: We're, we're back to preseason form again. We I mean, had
4: to get back in regular season is, form. This, here. Well, 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 we just had that long break for Leagues Cup. Clearly, we're a little out of practice here. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Kind of well, like the quicks did, offense. But All right, is,
0: guys. I'll be,
1: I'm gonna, I'll, I'll be rejoining you in a, in a bit. I'm going to go try to grab grab an interview, and I'll bring it go back. Go for it, James. All
0: right. We All right, appreciate bye. you, James. We're going to get in there You know it light, guys? It was like when the... Uh, <laughs> when the substitute teacher like just leaves the classroom and then there's no, there's nobody except for the kids in the classroom and they're just like running everything. It was like that. All
2: right. Robert, how about this? I can, I can play all of the, the, the reporters. You can be Luchi Gonzalez. We can do a live reenactment of this, this press conference Ooh. here. How does that sound?
4: Uh, we can do our best, but uh, I don't know if I can do justice to uh, the Lu- Lucci's positivity that he spun on what was arguably a not not the best performance. But hey, when you get three points, you don't really question the details. So
2: you know. You don't have a good Lucci Gonzalez impression? Is that what you're saying? You're letting us down here?
4: <laughs> I, I really need to... I mean, I know his uh, his wardrobe may not be what we expected it to be, a little a little more casual than I was expecting, given his, his introduction a year ago, almost a couple... About a year ago now, last Thursday or last Wednesday. But, you know, if I had to give a Lucci impression, it was this, that, you know, he is extremely proud of the way the guys played tonight despite uh you know being sort of on the back foot for most of the game and and like you asked you know really a question about you know kind of being uh uh i don't think the word was ambushed you had a better word for it uh pump pum- pummeled right was that the word you asked he took issue with it he took a little bit of issue with pummeled but i think when he looks at the uh, the raw numbers and the xg he's not going to argue too much with that assessment um you know, this, was, this, was a, this was a game where you, know, you, you lose some games when you have the XG advantage, and sometimes you win the games when you don't have the XG advantage. And for, for a Quakes team that you know, I would say looks at a Vancouver as a competitor for one of those last playoff spots, this was vital. I mean, that's, that's six points on the season that they've now taken from the Whitecaps, and that's six points that the Whitecaps are going to have to overcome if they're going you know, to take, take the place of the Quakes in the playoff
2: positions. Robert, who needs who needs a press conference when we have you to to break everything down here I, so well?
4: I, I I've said this before. I think I've covered enough press conferences that I could probably reenact any press conference successfully, <sighs> but but I don't want to just provide a disservice to our viewers who who demand the real thing. But uh, yeah, it was uh, you know that that was my, that was my take home. Uh, they uh, I'm sure they're going to be more than happy to get on that plane, take those three points securely in their take home luggage, and get back to San Jose as soon as they can. <laughs>
2: Yeah, 100 percent. And I opened the press conference asking him uh, about uh, the way that they played because uh, they were pummeled in the first half. And, and that's what I told Luchi Gonzalez. And he thought about it for a second. And then he said, OK, maybe that's fair. I don't think he liked the the, the word pummel used to describe uh, this team's <laughs> performance. But the reason I said that was because, uh, you know, Vancouver Whitecaps had point one point five XG. The earthquakes had. Uh, less than 0.5 xg they really only had one chance this whole game vancouver whitecaps uh, were putting shot on target after shot on target uh, in that first half and i think if Luchi gonzalez goes back and and watches that game tape again he'll, he'll understand where that question was coming from but we want to give him credit because the way that they adjusted in that second half and the way that they held on was really admirable and i think that's what he was taking away more is that uh, smash and grab mentality the grit that they had to have to get through that one because that's not a situation where the quakes would have been able to hold on in the first half of the season the first half of the season we saw them time after time give away those late leads and let critical points slip here and there but then the the other question that was key was was Robert's question and saying look this is a uh A big six pointer you're playing a game against a western conference rival how does this make you feel about your chances going forward in the playoffs and he was optimistic about that the the takeaway from this one regardless of what happened in the performance he was happy with this one because of where it leaves them in the table one step closer to the playoffs yeah, and I think Jamin
4: had a really good point, and uh, and the coach agreed. You know, the Quakes did a very good job of congesting the middle of the field as the as the game went into the second half, and that just you know a, you know forced Vancouver into cross after cross after cross, and the Earthquakes were ready for it. You know, bringing in Jonah Mensah was a was a very good idea. You know, he's a guy who's got that aerial ability. He's not going to be fast, but you don't have to cover a lot of ground when you're basically defending in the attacking third for the uh, for the remainder of the game, that last twenty minutes, and you know. Not None of the uh, Quakes defenders really put a a wrong uh, step forward. Danielle made all the saves he had to do in the first half and really didn't have a lot of stellar moments, but didn't need to make the stellar moments in the second half as the Quakes really saw this game through. It's it's a fantastic sign for a team that's going to need, I would expect at times in, in these remaining 10 games of the season, to have that kind of defensive wall to see out games, whether it be a point on the road or a win on the road, like tonight, or to ensure a victory at PayPal park. in, in some of the games they have left, these are going to be the points that they're going to have to get to make up uh, and potentially uh, to make, you know, keep the difference uh, in their favor when it comes to finishing in the top eight.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things that we've repeated throughout the year as well. And that's how important Daniel has been for this squad. I mean, making save after save, right. The team, uh, honestly, wouldn't have been able to hold on without him. I think at some point Vancouver would have broken through. They had a lot of really great chances. But speaking of chances, I did want to talk a bit about the goal that the Quakes scored because we haven't really gone into the specifics yet into the, you know, what that looked like in the buildup and the, the finish and everything leading up to it. Um, one thing that i thought was really interesting was up to that point in the match the quakes had really like struggled with their uh with a lot of the technical stuff right the passing like they weren't making very many things happen they were losing possession uh and this was a moment in which you know a lot of folks were kind of in the the slack chat right for a quake's epicenter we're talking about how poorly they thought kate cowell was playing in terms of his decision making as his one-on-one and it was Cow who actually started that counter-attack right he goes back And he receives the ball uh, far back in their own third of the pitch. And he sends it over to the right flank to find uh, Christian Espinoza. And I know, Alex, last time that you and I were together over at PayPal Park, we were talking about how Espinoza really has to be on one end or the other of these counterattacks for them to even be effective, right? And a lot of times they have to rely on him to be on the end of it. Well, he was there as part of, like, he was the catalyst leading into that. And he ended up uh, helping move the ball forward. Um, which eventually led to Jim Montero getting the ball and then crossing it back over to Espinoza for him to score the goal. But I thought it was quite interesting that, you know, a lot of folks were already talking about, oh, no, Cal is playing so poorly. This doesn't look good for the transfer news that just came out, the $3 million to Bologna uh, with the $5.5 million incentives total and really focusing in on Cal. So it was Cal, though, that started that counterattack. Um, Alex, I'm curious about your thoughts here, though. I mean, you guys talked a lot about – this transfer and what it could mean for the team. I mean, uh, are you kind of on board with a lot of the fans who were disappointed in Cal's performance overall? Or are you seeing some of the uh, the light here that I'm seeing as well?
2: Look, the, the Quakes did what they needed to do tonight. They, they didn't muster anything offensively, but they had one dangerous chance and they made it count. And then they were able to bunker and withstand the rest of the pressure. And for that reason, Cade Cowell put in a solid shift. His defensive shift was solid. They didn't let a lot of chances uh, down that left-hand side, uh, and he came up big when when it mattered. So I, there's no complaints with Cade Cowell's performance tonight. A performance like this will make him look good in the transfer market with all this you know, pressure surrounding him and with all the hype surrounding him right now. To be able to step out there and play confidently, calmly, and collectively is important, and, and he mm-hmm. did that well tonight. Uh, and it was a gorgeously executed counterattack that was the the pitch perfect counterattack uh Cade had to drop back into the middle and anticipate that ball uh, getting sprayed out and popping out in the middle there and he was just fast enough to get in front of his defender really good awareness to play it in uh to Jamira Montero there uh Jamiro Montero was struggling to get connected in this game if there's yeah. one person who I would be disappointed in it is Jamiro Montero because uh, he was not able to shut down Andres Cubas and that was one thing that Luigi Gonzalez talked about extensively in the fi- in, in his press conference was just how much trouble they were having with Andres Cubas and the fact that Vancouver Whitecaps were able to play out of the back more than they were expecting they were able to bo- move the ball through the midfield and get a numbers advantage in the midfield because Andres Cubas was finding space and connecting passes and skirting around Jamiro Montero so Jamiro Montero is is Probably if we're going to talk about the offensive production uh, and, and kind of the bigger picture with issues this team might have going forward is, is probably where I'd put that asterisk. But he played a perfect ball. Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Obobese played a perfect run. Uh, and it's a beautiful uh, early cross into to Christian Espinosa. All of the runs they made were good. Cade Cowell, not only did he make the initial pass, but he continued his run, drew a defender with him to the front post. And that's what allowed christian espinosa to have a wide open sitter at the back post it it looks so simple when you execute it that well but it's not simple and it uh, takes a lot of detail in like very fast-paced situations and the earthquakes that you know stepped up to the to to the plate on that one
0: alex i'm glad that you mentioned that actually because he did go from one end of the pitch to the other right to pull that defender and the defender for the Whitecaps kind of got caught in between two places there and he didn't commit either way. He didn't cover Cal either. So if Montero had, pass the ball back to Cal, which I'm glad he went to Espinoza because he, he tends to be a lot more clinical in front of goal. But if he had gone to Cal, he would have had a really great opportunity to score a goal as well. So I thought that was really great. But one of the things I was con- I've was i been concerned about, and I think a lot of folks have been concerned about, are, is the decision-making that Cal has made throughout the season. I think this is one of those moments where we can see that he has the ability to play like this, to, you know, to improve that part of his game. Because I don't think most folks would question his physicality. Uh, Even in a lot of ways, he's very good technically. He passes the ball really well. Um, he hasn't been shooting as well, but he passes the ball really well. But it's the decision-making, right? A lot of the one-on-one situations. But we see there's this other aspect of his game that was well on display tonight. Um, Robert, one thing that Alex had mentioned in his analysis right now was sort of the struggles that the earthquakes had in the middle of the pitch. I think a lot of people picked up on that. Um, what is, like, your, your point of view on, um, on how the team played centrally with Carlos Grueso, starting with Michael Baldissimo in the middle? And how did that kind of play out for the team? And why did they seem so vulnerable going up against the Whitecaps tonight?
4: Yeah, so it's interesting you ask that because that was exactly the question I asked Lucci. Um, you know, they're not going to make the stat sheet. They're probably not going to be on F- Mobs Player of the Match, you know, list in terms of their statistics, their numbers. But you had Baldissimo playing back in a stadium he's very familiar with and you know basically left it all out there for 60 minutes you had carlos greso doing what he needed to do without being spectacular and it's it's just enough to disrupt vancouver that they couldn't you know just you know basically boss the midfield you know for that for that full 45 minutes that full 60 minutes that michael's on the field look it wasn't a stellar performance the quakes didn't win because Grasso and baldissimo shut down vancouver but they did enough to to force vancouver to try the the wing entries And that was something that the Quakes were much better prepared to handle. So, you know, disrupting Vancouver enough is something that I kind of wrote in my notes that I I thought they did very well. And, you know, starting Baldissimo was clearly uh, uh, out of necessity. Judson is injured and still coming back from surgery. Jackson is out for the game because of yellow card accumulation. And so putting a a player in there that has, you know, kind of a lot to prove in a situation against his own team is something that you can take advantage of. It's a little bit of an edge that maybe he provided that another midfielder might not not have. Uh, when Nico Shakarez came in, he, he played well, but uh, I don't think he had the bite that I, thought, I saw Baldo at, at times have. Um, again, they did enough to kind of disrupt Vancouver and not allow them to be completely comfortable in the center, you know. Again, just like you said, Phil, it wasn't that Vancouver was stymied in the center, but they were just disrupted enough that they they couldn't take advantage of the quakes. Uh, Alex is over there biting his lip. I know he has something
2: to say here. <laughs> yeah, I, it, you know, Baldissimo and and uh, Grezo don't deserve credit for this victory. All of that credit has to go to Danielle. That was a man of the match performance. That is, you know, the kind of performance that's going to get him player of the season. Right. There's there's no question at this stage that Danielle has single handedly saved this team at least seven or eight points over the course of the season. He's been a phenomenal addition uh, to this team. And, and this this performance was was on Danielle. Uh, but I, I want to be sympathetic to Baldissimo. And Grezzo because they were put in a very difficult situation and I think they made the most of a difficult situation the problem was not that they don't know how to defend they do know how to defend the problem was that the Quakes were giving Vancouver so much space in the midfield to Boston the midfield they were at a numerical disadvantage the entire first half Vancouver with that three five two had more numbers in the middle they were able to bypass San Jose's front line way too easily. There was too much of a gap between the front line for San Jose uh, and and that midfield block. And so they were just having a, a ball getting in that open space and then playing between Baldissimo and, and Grezzo. And and Baldissimo and Grezzo, I again, we want to give them credit because they were just able to hold on, but it could have very easily gone the other way.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of those things where, like, When you're watching Baldissimo play with the ball, he was so, I mean, one thing that I don't know that he does as well as like Jackson Yule or even Jack Skane, as we've seen in the last in the last couple of matches, is really like take control and be that uh, that sort of pivot point in the midfield, like the one who can like boss, distribute, uh, push the ball up the field themselves and like be the focal point that Vancouver has to deal with. And it felt like there were so many times in the match where like Baldissimo, Montero, Groeso were kind of just like very quickly moving the ball around. And there was never any any moment where like the one individual player was forcing the issue for the team. And I think that was was quite a bit of an issue for, um, for the Earthquakes as well in terms of, you know, being a little bit more proactive offensively. Like they were allowing Vancouver to have a lot of possession. Um, so... Robert, uh, we're going to kick it over back to you really quickly here, kind of just rounding out some of the analysis for the match. Uh, If there was any other points you wanted to cover, like the defensive performances, you had already mentioned the Jonathan Mensah sub, maybe some of the tactical changes that Lucci Gonzalez made. Uh, As they went through the end of the match, we did see some other subs as well. Nico Chakiris was one, so we got to see him play for a little bit. One person that we did not get to see was Matthew Hockby. A lot of people have been anticipating uh, his entry into the match. Uh, Robert, you have any other specific points you wanted to chat about?
4: Um, I don't remember, uh, Jamin Moore asked a perfect question of Lucci about some of those second half adjustments and Alex might remember more of the details than I do. but the way the formation changed and the way that they, uh, you know, they basically took the, uh, took the advantage of the last 30 minutes, you know, they had a one goal lead and they compacted the field and and did what they needed to do. Again, I said it earlier, you know, Danielle was definitely the player of the match um, and it's for the heroics in the first 45 minutes, you know, I mean, he didn't have to make a spectacular save in the second half because of the way the defensive structure of the Quakes was able to keep Vancouver at bay. Um, If Rich, Richie Lirea puts a couple shots on goal in the, first half and said instead of being self uh, selfless like he did you know maybe vancouver takes that early lead and this game is very different but uh you know that would be the one place that i think vancouver is probably going to be kind of uh you know clenching their fists so they didn't take the opportunities that they did have and and, and basically you know, allowed danielle to be that uh, that superstar tonight um i wanted to make a comment about the uh, the counter-attack uh, lucci mentioned it as well in the press conference because it wasn't asked directly but you know the, the play of Jeremy Obobese, the sh- the selflessness to make that pass, um, that was the Quakes' one shot on goal tonight. And they made it count. You know, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of soccer. As long as you get the one shot and you, you put it in the back of the net, you might walk away with the three points. Um, I think it sounded like he was a bit disappointed that they couldn't muster anything else up. But I, he also didn't seem to concerned that the offense wasn't clicking in the way that i think you know watching on tv it would have been nice to see the quakes find a second goal or really kind of put more pressure on vancouver to to kind of, you know, kind of play the ball in their half of the field, you know, but, you know, again, I said it earlier, and I think it's, it's really important to remember, this is the kind of game that you, know, you may look at the forum guide a month from now and say, oh, cool, the Quakes got a win on the road, that's pretty awesome, um, but the way they got this win is not a blueprint for the way you want to play every road game, but it's the kind of performance they're going to need at some point if they're gonna continue being successful. they're going to, If they're gonna make a run into the playoffs, if they're gonna make any noise in the playoffs, they're going to be the underdog and probably a big underdog at times. And they're gonna to have to do something
2: like tonight to uh, to come out on the right side of, of the results. And, and the thing that makes me really optimistic about this one, Robert, is that it felt like the Quakes had depth. It felt yeah. like they were making defensive substitutions right. in the second half that made them better. And that's not the case, that hasn't been the case for, for the entirety of this season. But the uh, Mensa sub to bring him on and go five at the back was a solid call. Uh, that helped shut down Vancouver, block up the space, also helped them defend aerially some of those crosses. You had Paul Marie coming on. That's a good defensive sub in my book. He was pressuring the back line, making Vancouver uncomfortable, preventing them from getting in dangerous crossing situations. Uh, you had Nico Shakiris come on. I don't think he covered himself in glory, but he is a workhorse. He's willing to get back and put in a solid shift. And that was enough tonight. And you had Ayo Akinola come on for a, a really solid performance. And having him come on in those late-game situations, just as someone to receive the ball as a nine, to cause trouble against the back line, uh, and to you know disrupt some of that initial build-out from Vancouver was huge. Because that is not... A player that San Jose had at the beginning of this season, and that's not a—they didn't have somebody on the roster who could do that. We saw Jeremy Abobase go 90 minutes game after game and look exhausted by the end of the field. And the Quakes were essentially playing down one in, in a lot of these games because Jeremy Abobase didn't have enough left in the tank every week to to make all those runs. But but Iocanola is a huge addition in there, and given the way that Leach has now constructed this roster, having him back there, it feels like the Quakes are much, much more solid and well-prepared to go into these late-game situations where they're holding a lead. And that's something they're going to need if they're going to go to the playoffs. Having that depth is really critical. And this isn't even a team that's fully fit. You're right. They have Judson out. They have Jackson Ewell out. They have you know two key yep. midfield players gone, so they were missing two players, and it's and Jack Scan, Jack Scan as well, and 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 yet it still felt like they had good depth, so that was what made me optimistic about this one. And I want to welcome back Jamin Moore uh, as well. Jamin, were you able to get any uh, any post game uh, quotes for us? Were you able to to grab any of the players and harass them on their way out of here?
1: I I, I was I uh, I was able to grab Tanner Beeson and and Delivers. just to be clear, first. First, it's a madhouse down there, Uh, and this is an NFL side stadium, so it's a madhouse getting there, it's a madhouse getting back. But down there, around the Quakes locker room, lots of excitement, people uh, obviously feeling very, very good about getting out with this win, and uh, Flory Nungworth is down there saying hi to everyone, so uh, that kind of slowed down the process of being able to grab a player and their turnaround in order to be able to get to the airport. When I got there, they're like, yeah, we're leaving in five minutes, so that was a, that was the uh, pressure that we were under to be able to deliver. So yes, we did get three questions in with Tanner Beeson. If you want, I can play it now. And you have the, and have the audio. This is a
2: stellar journalist on top of his game in his prime, is, right now. This
1: here. is this is this is why we do it. So three questions for Tanner Beeson. Here we go. Beeson Tanner, huge three points tonight. The back line held strong and got a clean sheet. Uh, it felt like a game you guys really had to suffer in. Uh, talk about uh, kind of what they threw at you, particularly in the first half where. You know, they were breaking lines and creating a lot of havoc for you guys in the box.
3: Uh, yeah, obviously, they played two strikers, which is um, not something everyone does, and two big guys, so it's it's always going to be a little bit um, more busy for us centrally, and then they're pretty direct um, and have guys to play off of those direct balls, so uh, they, they were dangerous in the first half, and maybe we weren't um, were compact enough at times to, to make it a little, as difficult as we could have, um, and I thought we... We kind of weathered the storm a little bit, um, got a goal in a great transition moment, and then set up uh, much more um, comfortably in the second half to, to yes, have pressure, but uh, manage it more comfortably. Yeah, and a huge performance from Daniel
1: tonight, several key saves. You know, he's, uh, he's been big for you guys this season and really helped you get uh, points in several games. But tonight's got to be maybe the most important three points of all so far.
3: Yeah, I mean, big to get three points on the road after uh, a bit of a break, you know. Um, it's difficult to get back out there after weeks off. and uh, So big, big three points on the road, difficult to win away from home in this league. Um, and, yeah, Daniel was, was big time. Final, final question: Adjustment and the uh, late later in the game to be able to
1: bring in you know the three in the back. Something you guys have done in a few games this season, and generally speaking, it's worked pretty well. Um, you know how comfortable you know are you when you see that uh, you're bringing on uh, you know Jonah Mensa there to be able to make it uh, three in the back? Are you like? Finally, we're getting
3: a bit more help back here. Yeah, I mean it's it's awesome to have to have the option to bring someone of that caliber with that experience on the field uh, in a difficult moment. He's going to be able to manage that with comfort. He, I thought he did great coming on um, with some clearances and then also connecting passes and some tight tight moments. And so yeah, we're comfortable with that. Um, that set up, bringing on an extra center back, as you said, we've done in the past. And, uh, yeah, do it when necessary. All right, absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. And, uh, enjoy the three points. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, take care.
1: Stay All right. Florian, or sorry, uh, our Tanner Bueson there with uh, Florian Youngworth about 10 feet away. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was uh, embracing each player as they came out of the locker room. Maybe not Ayo Ekinola. I'm not sure. have might have skipped him. Uh, but uh, but uh, most of the players that were coming out at the time, he, he knew very well. Got to catch up a little bit with some of the Quakes front office coaching staff. Obviously, everyone extremely pleased to get out of here with the three points, regardless of how it happened. But certainly the thing everyone was talking about down there was Daniel's performance tonight.
4: I think without a doubt, you know, I mean, not only man of the match, but you know, you know, clearly all three points are are his tonight. You know, whatever uh, game ball or or you know award goes out in the locker room or in this case on the bus ride back to the airport, is it, got to go for Danielle. You know, Jamin, you you asked a great question there, and I was really happy to hear Tanner's response at the end. You know, because Alex was talking about this too. You know, this is one of those games where it felt like the Quakes were maybe even better with the substitutions they were able to make as opposed to, you know, games past where it always felt like if they had to make a sub or if they did make a sub, you know, that they might be hanging on for dear life at that point. Um, you know, was that the sensation you got as well from your vantage point watching this game at the end?
1: Yeah, I felt, I felt the subs were kind of extremely well managed tonight. And, and even, you know, just the decision to bring on Paul Marie as a winger to be able to both give a little bit more on the defensive side, but also Paul Marie, if if the, the counter is on if those numbers get pushed too far forward, you know, uh, by uh by Vancouver, you know, giving having Paul Marie out there to run at that back line and and with some with some fresh speed, you know, I think was a really good move. You, it could have easily been like, hey, let's give, you know, Matthew Hoppy his debut, or, you know, let's let's put out Benji Kakanovich. But I think it was the right move. Um, I really do. And, and that, that one felt, felt, felt pretty smart to me. The uh, the other thing I like is, is seeing Jonah Mensah, you know, uh, regardless of his situation and with the club at this point. And, you know, everyone I talk to is like, no, it's, it's very positive. Uh, you know, it, there's not, not really a problem here. Uh, and one of the things that I heard was that one of the reasons that um, that they are giving the time uh, to, to Tanner is because competitively it's very close, but also Rodriguez they feel is a bit better on the right side. So it's a nod to where Rodriguez's own strengths are, and him being a center back that they've re-upped the loan for. And you know, I, I think they, they've got to be interested if the money is right to be able to bring him back next year. So in that situation, in a situation where maybe Mensa doesn't come back, um, you know, you certainly can understand why they're they want to put everything into Rodriguez, make sure they're getting the value, you know, out of this loan and then make a decision because it's probably not cheap if they want to uh, buy that, uh, buy that contract out. So, you know, you can kind of understand why, you know, that is a, a reason they want Rodriguez on the right side and they're very comfortable with what Tanner Beeson brings on the left, but just to be able to bring on someone like a Jonah Mensa to a to a back 3 late in the game huge right there's not many teams in the league that can bring on a center back that you would say is probably as good as the two that are out there already um and and you know it's worked many more much more often than it has not worked this season uh to go a bit more defensive and and bring that on and Vancouver was just dumping in crosses you know toward the end when they weren't getting getting fouled but um they were dumping in those crosses left and right and the quicks looked very very comfortable clearing it out um, every, almost every single time.
0: You know, before we go on really quickly here, I want to take a moment to um, to shout out QuakesEpicenter.com. For folks who are joining us here tonight who have not seen our website, who have not checked it out, make sure you go over to QuakesEpicenter.com. That is what houses the aftershock. All of the articles that are written by our wonderful journalist, Robert Scott the Cup there. You can check out our shop as well, where you can get one of our wonderful scarves, as you can see the one right behind me there. Um, you can also, there we go. You can also find the Patreon on our website. For just a couple dollars a month, you can get early mm-hmm. access to our content. For $5 a month, you can get access to mm-hmm. the Patreon Slack, which uh, most of us were very active on tonight. It was a lot of fun. So I want to encourage folks to go check that out. Follow us on social media. On Are we calling it X now? I don't know if that's a, if that's a thing or not. <laughs> are we calling it that? We still say Twitter? Um, I say, still say Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, Quakes Epicenter, and on Instagram and threads. You can follow us on there, at, uh, Quakes Epicenter as well. Um, I did want to, I wanted to continue with Jamin here. Alex, I know you had something you wanted to say, but considering we just got Jamin back and he has the stadium perspective, I have a question for him.
1: This uh, is not a fake background. I'm actually
0: here. Yeah, it, and actually, it, it's so cool looking. It, it is almost fake, but yeah. Um, I'm curious, Jamin... Uh, the first 22 minutes of the game the quakes didn't have a shot on goal and so i'm just curious like what you were seeing there what they were struggling with particularly what that looked like and what you attribute a lot of those struggles to because at that point of the match we fully expect this team to have at least taken an opportunity to score a goal and it wasn't until jeremy abobasi had that header which really wasn't much of an opportunity in itself so what were you seeing and what do you attribute a lot of that difficulty to
1: yeah, I, I you know we we talked a bit about the kind of the four three three defensively, and I just don't feel like it matched up very well with with the three five two, because you're already giving up the central midfield three versus two, and then you're dealing with two strikers, so your center backs have to occupy the two strikers, and what it did is it created situations, and Cade Cowell defensively looked just lost, like he was just in no man's land multiple times, and they had a lot of joy on on their right side, uh, the Quakes left side. Uh, being able to find their, um, their wingbacks. And that was causing a lot of problems uh, tonight. So I do feel that, you know, i look to me a little bit more 4-4-2 because they always seem to have a second guy coming out, but, but Lucci called it a, a, a 4-5-1. And um, you know, that felt like a pretty good answer, you know, that would deal a bit more with the wingback situation and also, you know, have enough there to be able to occupy the center of the pitch so that you weren't just getting outgunned. Um, And so that starting off in that particular configuration, I don't think they did them any favors. You know, we talked, we talked with one of the technical staff um, that was up here uh, around the press box at halftime and, you know, basically said, you know, the idea of trying to match up to their back line, the three versus three, you know, kind of makes sense when you're putting the pressure, but those opportunities were few and far between. And then when the Quakes won the ball, they were so under pressure, they was they were double teamed a lot in everything because those numbers were already forward for Vancouver. So they already had the numbers forward. So it was very easy for them to put on pressure to Acapo or to Rodriguez or uh, Kate or whomever got on the ball next. You know, it was really easy to kind of double and turn them over and be able to keep the ball on the other end because of those numerical mismatches.
0: All right. Sounds like you're attributing it mostly to the uh the formation, those mismatches that they had there, on uh, the parts that you just mentioned. Um Alex kicking it back over to you and your response to uh what Jamin had said previously. Or it looks like Robert, you wanted to jump in. I think
2: Robert's pointing up to me. I'm just, I po- I'm just I'm just pointing at
0: Alex, he's the man up here.
2: That's what I like. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> uh first of all, Jamin is hundred percent right uh that the numerical situation wasn't working for the quakes in the first half uh and that's why they were getting pummeled uh in in the midfield. Um the, the thing that i wanted to jump in on because because that, that's honestly not entirely concerning to me i don't think they're gonna play Uh, You know, a ton of teams like the Vancouver Whitecaps, who are very, very comfortable in the 3-5-2, who have a defensive midfielder like Andres Cubas, who can step in and completely break down San Jose like that. Moving forward, and I'm not worried about, because they're also going to be playing more games at home, uh, and uh, they don't play as passively at home. We know that they can play more aggressively, more on the front foot, and they can trigger the press better at home. So I'm not worried about that. What what I was focusing on was the, the second half situation because I do think that that is a situation that the Quakes are going to find themselves in again repeatedly over uh, the course of this season. And uh, the the thing that I wanted to to comment on was the uh, the Matthew Hoppy uh, absence tonight because we have you know uh, uh, seen a couple comments here in the Slack asking where Matthew Hoppy was. I'm not entirely sure, Jamin, if he's cleared to play at this point. Uh, yet for for San Jose and and even if he's not here to play I don't think that this was a good situation for him I think when you're holding on to a lead in the late second half one zero away from home there's only downside to starting him so I'm not concerned at all I am as eager as everyone else for him to uh, make his hat trick debut but I think that that can wait until next weekend
1: yeah uh so I mean I saw Hoppy walk out of the locker room after the game you know look, you know, if he wasn't cleared to play, he wouldn't be here because there were players that were left behind. So just to be, you know, perfectly clear, I think he is medically cleared to be able to play, but I more agree with this isn't the right game to put him in. You didn't need a goal. You already had a bunch of yellow cards. You didn't need to conquer the game up even more. Um, I think bringing him in would have just felt like a, a square peg in a round hole. Like I don't even know where you would have put him unless he wanted him to chase people instead of Ayo Akinola. and I thought Io did okay. Um, you know, for the most part, he's a bit—he's a bit slow. You know, at at times, but you know, he did his job and he was—he uh, won a few aerials and and he was able to bring the ball down and help the Quakes hold on to the ball a bit. So I thought it was a pretty good sum to bring him on. I don't know that Matthew Hoppy would have provided necessarily the same at a striker position um, as a hold-up guy in in that situation where you're trying to hold the ball and be able to get your attack going.
2: I do think that Hoppy does add something in the last 20 minutes. We know that uh, his shithousery is excellent, that that is, is one of his, his, uh, his highlight uh, skills there, is the, the way that he can get in players' faces, uh, in coaches' faces in the last 10, 15 minutes. So we know that, that he is another option to play up there. And honestly, Jamin, I think you're right. I think he makes sense if you're going two at the top. And that's a a formation that we've seen the Earthquakes play a few times in in the last few games under uh, Luchi Gonzalez. But I I think that that uh, is is where he belongs in the two in the top. I I don't think it makes sense to put him out wide in an unfamiliar spot. Uh, And I think that Io Akinola is a a great uh, bet up top in the number nine.
0: Yeah, when Akinola came in, there was definitely a a change for the team in terms of their grittiness in in that part of the pitch. I think he really, like kind of change their their approach to the match. Um, guys, we are getting closer to the hour mark here. And with the four of us, I think it's time for us to go ahead and shift over to the final thoughts section of the show. And so I wanna uh, bring Robert back into the conversation. Robert, uh, what are your thoughts leaving this 1-0 win uh, for the Earthquakes against the Vancouver Whitecaps?
4: You know, look, we're, we're at the point of the season where every game is going to be kind of magnified as it relates to this, the standings, as it relates to the, the chase to, to make the playoffs. You know, if you look at the standings at this point, following that three point victory, you know, the earthquakes are essentially, I believe, uh, third or, or maybe even uh, four, or not third, but fourth or fifth in the conference in points per game right now. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, that's what an away victory can do for you. You've got uh, Christian Espinosa, who's now tied for second in the league in goals scored. You know, something that the Earthquakes made a concerted effort this year to uh, to make sure that he got more involved in the offense, that he was able to get his chances and he was able to take his chances. I think that's another, uh, you know, again, positive sign uh, for this Earthquakes team. And then lastly, a, a kind of a kudos to Jamin, who, who's out there in Vancouver and made, made the venture across the border. Love having you on site. And um, maybe more than anything, I'm really impressed that you're able to get the uh, the BC Place folks to to turn on the blue lights there at the stadium.
1: <laughs> big big, thank, the big thank you victory. to my to my driver who got me here. <laughs> All right, you know. You know, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Was back, that Brian back, in the background? Brian, I <laughs> was going to say.
2: Well, we need to give a shout out to Brian Hoover, who is an esteemed patron of Quake's Epicenter. He's the reason Jamin was able to get up there to Vancouver. And he was also confusing the heck out of me because he was in Jamin's (laughs) sheet the entire time Jamin was gone. And I had no idea. uh, He was protecting the computer
1: while I'm down in the locker room. I didn't want the computer to to get stolen or something. Well, we appreciate
4: Brian very much. Amazing. Our patrons are amazing. (laughs) But uh, yeah, thank, good job with the blue coloring there in the stadium. I know BC Place glows nicely after a, a Quakes victory, and we don't see too many of them in Vancouver. So good job.
1: So we 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 do have our own kind of potential issue here, which is that they close the parking garage, you know, after games are done. After so much time, and we are running up against that time. So we are going to need to say goodbye. Um, I think I've given all the thoughts I would like to give for tonight, but I want to just say a huge thank you to everyone. Good crowd tonight. Thanks for showing up. Apologies on the uh, the press conference audio. What we will do, of course, as we've done before when that's messed up is we will put it up also on YouTube and we'll put a link into the show so that um, you can get access to that. Of course, if you're in the Patreon, you know, that link will get shared with you on the Patreon. Uh, sorry, in the Slack as well um, so that you can uh, you can be able to get, to get it there. But we better go. Otherwise, you know, we might find uh, we might find the car in the impound lot. Um, and it's a nice one. So we don't want that to happen. So, Jamie, Jamie, good-
2: I've heard Vancouver is a lovely city. You can just stay there for the weekend. Take a nice <laughs> vacation on Quake's epicenter. Uh, credit credit card. Yes.
1: Wish I wish I could. Wish I could. <laughs> but have a good night, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for joining in. And I'll turn it back over to you three.
0: All right, Alex. Well, I guess you're up next. Then, what are your final thoughts leaving the match?
1: Okay, the one
2: the the, the one reason that I'm bummed that that Jamin is gone is because we didn't get to dig in about the Cade Cowell transfer because you you brought it up right at the top of the show, Phil. Uh, but I was saving it for the for the end for for dessert here because regardless of, of what happened in this game, I think that the bigger story in the the San Jose Earthquakes universe this week is what's been going on. With Cade Cowell, uh, there are multiple reports by Jeff Carlisle, Tom Bogert, the best of the best, uh, that Bologna, Syria A team, have put in multiple bids for Cade, and I have good sourcing that that interest is very real, that that bid those those bids are, are very real, uh, and the, the details that are out there are that it was initially a three and a half uh, to four and a half million dollar bid that then the earthquakes wanted more, Chris Leach wanted more, and Bologna uh, put in a revised new offer that would uh, get it closer to the number that Chris Leach was looking for. Uh, Now, uh, we also know, according to Robert Jonas, who is in the midweek press conference, that Lucha Gonzalez has acknowledged these ongoing transfer uh, rumors swirling. So this is a very real dialogue. It's a very real possibility uh, that Cade Cowell departs Uh, the San Jose earthquakes for Italy sometime in the next few weeks. I think there's two weeks or uh, a little less now uh, left in the uh, Syria transfer window for the quakes to be able to secure a deal. And my take on this is that the earthquakes need to secure a deal. It has always been the goal for the San Jose earthquakes to move KCAL to Europe. And for the last year, year and a half, this summer has been the target. You've had the Gold Cup, which was a perfect opportunity for him to showcase what he can do. Uh, you have the, uh, the appearances he made for the U.S. men's senior team and scored a goal in the Gold Cup, looked good at the Gold Cup. His stock has never been higher. Now is the perfect time for him to sell, and there's no point in holding on to him because it feels like his growth is plateauing. feels like he doesn't have a perfect spot in Luigi Gonzalez's system, and it feels like his development will be better served elsewhere. We can see how good he plays for the U.S. men's national team. We can see what his potential is. He needs to go elsewhere to, to, to realize that potential. And that's something that he's been clear about as well. He has been clear about the fact that he wants to leave this summer. He said that at the very beginning of the season, he was hundred percent clear. His goal was to secure a transfer to Europe this summer. This is a concrete offer from Bologna on the table. might not be exactly what Chris Leach is looking for, but I don't think that Chris Leach should risk scuttling a deal. I don't think it's worth it to, to, to risk missing out on the perfect time to transfer uh, in order to eke an extra million out of this deal, eke an extra couple hundred thousand. I think that there's a huge opportunity here and the earthquakes do not want to waste this opportunity because it's important for Cade. It's important for all the other young players in the club, right? All the, uh, you know, the Oscar Verhoven's, all the Cruz Medinas who want to go to Europe someday, who need to be able to trust when they sign that ink, that homegrown contract with the quakes, that the quakes are going to get them to Europe. That they're gonna stand up for their players and do what's best for their players and what's best for cade right now what cade wants right now is to go to europe and i think it feels like this is the right deal from everything i understand it feels like this has been the right time and opportunity for him to do so so i think it's it's really crucial i'm going to be watching over the next few weeks if chris leach can get this over the line because this could be a a career defining uh negotiation for chris leach right because the Earthquakes aren't routinely selling players for four to five million dollars. That's not anything that Quakes have ever done before. That is a significant amount of money for this organization, just in terms of cash influx. And it's also significant in terms of the, the roster maneuvers that they will be able to do. The, the gam and TAM that they get from that will give them a lot to work with next season and to become a selling club and, and that's the big picture goal here is that they want to become a team like the Philadelphia Union. They want to become a selling team in Major League Soccer who can grow players and turn them over to Europe. And this is their big opportunity. And, and they need to make it happen.
0: No, I completely agree with you on that, Alex. I feel like this is one of the points that the front office hasn't done well with yet, because I don't know that they're quite at that part of the development of the youth through the academy um although we're seeing it now right we're seeing some of these players come up like Kate cow like nico chakiris we're seeing some of these promising young guys who have the opportunity to go play over in europe um i think the front office has done so many good things in the past like year or two especially after uh releasing Matias Almeida and it's kind of like pivoting and switching with Covello and then moving to Luchi Gonzalez and kind of changing the way that the team operates. Right. Um, the player acquisitions over the past year have been excellent. You know, um, I happen to listen, listen in on your conversation with, uh, with Jamin about Matthew Hoppe, uh, coming into the organization and kind of some of the things that the front office did up to that point. Um, and I just think that they've been doing so well in that. And it's just like selling off these players to Europe is like the one last missing piece that a successful American Major League Soccer club um, does. You mentioned Philadelphia Union and FC Dallas. I mean, those are the two prime examples. It would be nice if the Quakes could be a part of that conversation. And it's not just because it's it's great for the roster, like you mentioned Uh, They would be getting some money for uh, targeted allocation for general allocation, uh, targeted allocation for, you know, being able to pay down Jamiro Montero's designated player contract, for example, would be uh, incredibly helpful to make space for other other parts of the roster. Right. But also as an organization, I think it's really great for the earthquakes to have that name, that they can be a place that can develop youth and sell off talent to Europe as well. I think that looks really great. And you said like um, the promise of the contract, knowing that the clubs can actually come to San Jose from Europe and expect that the Quakes can follow through on providing that talent for those teams. And I think that's really important for the organization. It's really important for Major League Soccer and the development of the sport in the country as well. So really exciting to see players like Cade Cal who could really help to change the, uh, the way the organization is run in the long term. And then um, just as like a Central Valley guy, I've mentioned this before. It's really exciting to see somebody from series like do so well and then go off to do something big, like possibly play in Italy and the and the Premier Division there. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of like my last thought there. Anyway, Alex, it's so it. much
2: bigger than Kate. It's so much bigger yeah. than this one transfer. It means so much. It to means this a club. lot to
0: a lot of young kids too. And and and
2: if if they don't make this transfer happen, and that's a wasted opportunity. That is. A, a pretty devastating blow to this, this organization. I'm, I'm curious, Robert, uh, if you share that same sentiment and if you took away anything else from the, the midweek conversation you had with Lucci Gonzalez, you know, and
4: talking to Lucci, you know, it's, he's had this experience in FC Dallas before, you know, but that was a club that was not afraid to to pull the trigger to sell players, even at stages uh, before we've seen Cal uh, Cade Cal reach you know, they weren't afraid to sell a Brian Reynolds and others at times in their careers where they were, they were fringe players for the first team in, in Dallas. Um, and he had a plan. It didn't always work, but, you know, he was used to the idea that that was going to be part of the, uh, the ethos of the club and that he was going to be able to manage that. He hinted that he's already in that uh, mode here in San Jose, that he and the coaching staff already are recognize what a post-Cade Cal uh, roster is going to look like and how they're going to adjust. Uh, moving forward, there there's honestly no real reason to stop this at this point. If you, if you're fighting over dollars, you're being pennywise but pound foolish because you have an opportunity to to tell every youth player in Northern California that the earthquakes are a viable pathway to their dreams, to their to their goals, to their to those moves that they want to make. And if the Quakes lose out 500 grand today on Cade Cal. They're gonna make it up in, in multiples with those next wave of players that are willing to trust the Quakes organization to get them to that next step. Look, we're seeing USL already make very good business moves to sell players overseas. And if that pathway becomes uh, you know, uh, robust, you've got Sacramento, you've got Oakland right here in the backyard of the Bay Area. They could easily be siphoning off players that would say, why should I go spend time in San Jose, get trapped in San Jose, when Sacramento and Oakland are going to facilitate my path forward? And again, that would be a, just a loss of money, not in, just in the short term, but a huge loss in, in reputation and money in the long term. Um, I, I think the Quakes have to make the move uh, for, for so many reasons. And Alex, I, yes, you're absolutely right. This is so much more than just the transfer of Cade Cal at this point. And I think a lot of eyes are on what the Earthquakes organization is willing to do.
2: And, and I think it's the sign of a confident, successful and bullish organization that they're willing to pull the trigger, make a decision, make a hard decision. It's, it's obviously a hard decision. Whenever that much money is involved, a new situation for the club, there's a lot of pressure. On, on Chris Leach to make the right call here and totally understand that. But it's the sign of a healthy organization that they're willing to do that. And they're leading here with optimism for the future, with hope and and the our ability to to build the academy and to have more players like Kate Cowell come through in the future that they're willing to make this decision. If you don't make this decision, Alex, it, this is, it this tells me that they're the they're deal. making That's it out of fear here
0: that I think we're missing is like, we, we keep talking about like, how important this cowl transfer is, it's because there hasn't been transfers like this before. We haven't seen the organization do it. So, the hope is that, like, once this goes through, they'll kind of have that freedom to operate more normally in that fashion. I think that's the big thing here because so much pressure is be put, being put on the player himself, right? We hear everything from the fans and, and how they feel about him and, like, getting him sold off as quickly as possible before he loses his value. I don't know that they're necessarily having these conversations and these other organizations that just regularly sell sell off players to Europe and so that's one of the things I think we're missing here is it's like once the seal is broken once Kate is sold off to a big European club then I believe a lot of that pressure is going to be off those players off the organization off the fans too who get a lot of anxiety about the players performing so they get sold for good value
2: yeah but my my my, my worry is that 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 fear is is inhibiting their decision making here because if you if you you're approaching this from a perspective of fear then you're going to say okay this is our one big shot. We can't blow it. We need to maximize value on Cade at all costs because we're never going to have another player like Cade Cowell coming through the ranks. That's not true. They already have multiple players in the youth academy who could realistically in the future garner transfer fees like that. They need to be willing to move on from Cade Cowell to, to sell at the right time uh, and, and then uh, go invest in those younger players because Cade Cowell is also taking up spot uh, on the on the roster, right? If you have... Cade Cowell in Bologna doing good things in Italy, that clears up room for Benji Akinovich to try to make another run at this uh, starting lineup because we know how successful he's been able to be in the past and he's gotten buried right now. And that's not good. We, we know we want to see more of Matthew Hoppe. Matthew Hoppy is another player who, if he comes here and makes an immediate impact, and, and he could realistically then be a quick turn that they do, right? They can get that permanent option that they have uh, and then sell him on very quickly. And so they need to clear space on that roster in order for this club to move forward and, and grow in you know 2024 and beyond.
0: I think it's a good place to leave the show tonight um, because we're going to find out more as the week goes on. Right. And the situation with Kate Cal we'll kind of see how things uh, develop as the Quakes play their next match against sporting Kansas city could be a really good opportunity for Matthew Hoppe to get uh, to make an impact for this team right off the bat as well against, especially a team that's lower in the table. So I wanted to thank everybody for joining us tonight, especially through some of the difficulties we had early on. I know it was like super awkward for a lot of the folks who were uh, who were in the chat with us for us who are sitting here trying to get things figured out. So thanks for hanging around with us. We had really good numbers tonight and I want to once again, invite everybody to visit quakesepicenter.com. Check out our articles, uh, visit us on YouTube if you're not already with us right now, if you're listening to us on Spotify or one of the other podcasting, listening services, make sure you check out YouTube. It's a lot of fun. There's the ongoing chat throughout the show. Make sure you like and subscribe and turn on those notifications. And once again, follow us on social media at quakes Epicenter on Instagram, on threads, and on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it these days. And uh, thank you guys for, for such a good show tonight and have a good night.